Welcome to your Mind is Trying to Kill You podcast. Join your host, Alexandros Megas, and co-host Vincent Byrne as they walk you through the deepest recesses of the mind and how it operates. They discuss all the reasons why our minds persistently get in the way of our evolution, growth, and our success. But crucially, they also teach you what you can do to change your destiny. And now, here's your host, Alexandros Megas. Okay, welcome everyone. Uh, this is the ninth episode of Your Mind is Trying to Kill You podcast. I'm your host, Alexandros Megas. And I'm your co-host, Vincent Byrne. So Vincent, we were having this conversation before and uh, I was, I think, being a, a little too unrealistic for your uh, taste and you kind of like pulled me back a little bit and said, uh, what did you say to me? I think as the uh, prison warden in uh, Shawshank said, uh, you're being obtuse. Or Andy said to the prison warden, you're being obtuse and then got him into trouble for it. The thing that uh, I've come across a lot is this idea of uh, what is reality. I mean, generally, when we come across someone who is who, who has an imagination or they're they're thinking too far ahead, usually the put down or the thing to draw them back is, you know, let's get real, let's bring this back to reality. And I know that that's something that's a phrase that we we throw around quite a lot. So, given everything that I've been learning from you over the last eight episodes, what is reality? Because I'm starting to doubt it now in terms of what I thought it was. I thought it was something quite solid, but I'm I'm getting to believe that perhaps it's not. So what are your thoughts? Well, that's a good that's a good thing. I'm glad that you're you're altering your belief systems right there and that's a good one. It's a good belief to have that reality is malleable and that reality is being formed by us on a daily basis. But because most of us don't pay attention to these changes. They cannot understand how magical this process really is. So if you want to get from point A to point B, of course, we have to mention the famous love attraction uh, that has been a thing for a long time now. And it suggests, the law of attraction itself suggests that when you are in the correct state of mind, you can you're manifesting reality. So people, and of course, this is where we've talked about affirmations and things like that. This is where everybody, everything is, is tying in together, is creating this kind of like a, a whole conglomerate. It's a, it's a whole pie of this thing that we call manifestation. And, and what does that mean? If you manifest a reality, that means that, the re, that means that the reality that you thought was real before is no longer applying because you have managed to shift that, right? Okay. So... If you have managed to shift that kind of reality, that means that reality in and of itself is not something that is staying there while we are desperately trying to move it uh, and it takes so much effort. And so reality is something, I mean, from a quantum physics point of view, 
right? What is a what is the basic understanding of that is that whatever you put your attention on is actually activated. Okay. Right. And that's a magical approach as well. It's a hypnotic approach. It's a magical approach. It's um an energetic, energetic approach. Everyone was talking about energy being the foundation of reality, then we can gather that according to how much energy we put on this or that concept, this or that endeavor, we get the appropriate results back. And those results will be, once again, the more energy, the more you energize your cause, your purpose, your goal, the more likely it is to manifest and the more you do it and the more of course you step into doing it the faster it's going to manifest now i can prove that to you from uh, if if from nothing else from a hypnotic point of view hypnotic perspective i've talked before about those experiments that I've had in the past with certain friends of mine as I was helping them overcome certain blocks and move past whatever they thought was holding them back in order for them to spread their wings and become that magnificent person that they came here to be, that spirit. So uh, one of those people, a friend of mine, uh, I'm not going to mention her name, but uh, she was having problems overcoming her basic conditioning. She wanted to be an entrepreneur, but she was working for a big corporation and uh, she just couldn't see the light at the end of the tunnel because you have to be able to see yourself there in order to be able to step into that reality. Of course, we talked about visualization and all these kind of things and even the affirmations. When you affirm something, you have to be able to have some sort of an imaginative perspective of what that thing looks like because that's important that's really important because you you can't uh, you cannot create anything if there's no idea behind it like if you have an idea you're not you're being you know abstract (laughs) you're creating abstract shit so this is just happening when we live our life in default terms again your mind is trying to kill you if you are not controlling it other forces will outside forces uh, inner programming and so on so this friend of mine then came to my loft that i was living at the time my artist loft and uh, she immediately i had a i had a cat that was a long hair kitty very cute very pretty cat but she was allergic to cats. I didn't know that. So when she stepped into the place, she was immediately, almost immediately kind of stuffed and uh, felt uh, congested. Right? She could. She told me that she could barely breathe. So it was kind of like an allergic reaction. Yeah, she was mm. an allergic reaction. So I, I said, yeah, okay, that's fine. Don't worry about it. You know, I didn't put much emphasis on that sort of thing and I, I put her on a chair on a recliner and uh, I started working with her inducing her giving you know putting her in a trance and uh, it was at that time that I deemed necessary because of the work that we were going to do I was going to go all 
in and uh, I wanted to know if she was all in. In other words, just go really as far as we could possibly go with this work. So I asked her if she was willing to create a trigger where we could actually uh, multiply the depth of the trance infinitely. Because, you know, the more you use that, you could just pull someone out of trance and then put them right back into trance and pull them out and put them back in. And the more you do it, the more times you do that, the deeper you go as you get in. And th- and this is all within the one session? Yes. Yeah, okay. So I, I did that. And uh, the first thing I, st- I, I did as she was in a legitimately deep trance, I said to her, wow, have you noticed uh, how the air is so clear and fresh? Can you take a deep breath? Take a deep breath and see how that works, which she does, right? She goes, oh, yeah, oh, my God, you know, that's awesome. This, I can smell the whatever the flowers. <laughs> and uh, at that moment, just like that, all the allergic reactions disappeared instantly. Uh, which, of course, would come to most people would come as a big shock. And immediately, as I started doing this kind of work, to me, the most important thing that came up was the deep question. The deep question that revealed the, the existential platform, the existential fabric of that thing that we call reality and, and how solid that is how valid it is. If you come uh, to a place, if you go outside or whatever, oh, it's springtime and everyone's, oh my, oh my God, my, my spring, my allergies are flaring up. And as you have this experience, if you do manage to have that hypnotic experience where you understand that this, if this thing disappeared within minutes of doing this kind of work, clearly, it's not a physical, cemented issue. There's nothing really wrong with you physically, right? Yeah. There is something that manifests physiologically, uh, which is linked to... I mean, there's many reasons why this could happen. And one of those is any kind of minor traumas. Uh, you know, something could happen at some point when you're a kid, when a cat is, is present, you know, <laughs> whatever i mean it's so many possibilities but the point is that you have for one reason or another accepted a belief because clearly it is a belief that we keep on reinforcing because people will bring it up and you know energy goes where energy flows where attention goes Mm -hmm. so the more uh, the, the more energy and the more belief you put into something the more cemented it becomes the more real it becomes the the more concrete so if then the question is reality can shift that fast then what is it made of so is it fair to say from all that is that everyone has their own reality there isn't one reality everyone has their own yes absolutely I, th- I think that that's exactly what it is. And uh, people don't pay much attention to other people's worlds because we, we're egocentric mo- most of the time. We only care about what it is that we're experiencing. So we think that by default, everybody else is having the same viewpoints, the same kind of approach. 
right? But you don't know that. I mean, when we look at a red, even even on a physiological level, you look at a color red, and uh, we have agreed that this kind of frequency of light produces that thing that we call a color red. And we agreed upon that ever since we were babies. Mm. So this has been cemented. But at the same time, we don't know. There's no way to know if you view red the way that I do. Mm. Right? Is it is it this kind of this kind of intensity, this kind of hue, or or whatever? It reminds me that particular point actually reminds me. I was watching a program the other evening, and it was a it's landscape artist of the year, and uh, they were going around with the. Um, Looking, speaking to the contestants as they were in the middle of the um, of the this four hour painting extravaganza, and um, the the interviewer came to one person and and he said, you know, this this looks like a fairly bland looking landscape. You've got you know you've got browns and greens and 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 she went, no, I'm seeing purples and 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 orange. Can you not see that? And yeah, um, and actually, when you when they flip back to the actual scene with her having said it, you, your eyes went to now start to see purples and oranges in what had previously been browns and greens that he was referring to. So it was quite interesting uh, that purely the perspective of the two individuals actually saw a completely different scene. Absolutely. I mean, what's the, the, isn't the, and I know it, it has become into, uh, kind of like philosophized and intellectualized too much, but there, there is this famous now in, in the New Age world uh, phrase that you know, Wayne Dyer actually used it quite a bit. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, which which is exactly it does that exact it has a, that exact same meaning that exact same connotation which means that perhaps not perhaps I'm actually pretty sure that this is the case because we have conditioned ourselves into believing that this reality is just so immovable and so real and so um, concrete that. We try to work ourselves around it because we we think that this is just you know uh, these big blocks of you know boulders and that we can't do anything there. But we can if we need to go somewhere, we can go around it. But we can plow through it. This is what we believe. This is what we were led to believe. And, and of is, course, that, is that because yeah. we're trying to we're trying to create certainty? for ourselves we're trying to create something solid because when there's uncertainty there's fear is it has it to do with that perhaps but the thing is that who who created them in the first place i mean we, yeah we do create create it but let us not forget that we grow up in an environment in a society that glorifies this sort of perspective right so right. when when you are uh, sick you have been convinced that uh, you're just like a car, like an automobile. You have to go to the to the mechanic to fix you. Yes. So, so by virtue of surrendering, then your sovereignty of who you are 
and the the magical being, the magical creator being that you uh, came here to be, you now are this helpless creature that needs someone else to intervene because there's nothing you can do. You can't alter that thing. Because, again, we've been convinced that this thing that's called sickness, disease, it happens, you know, like a, a hurricane happens. You know, like, oops, oops, you know, all of a sudden came out of nowhere and it's, it's some sort of an accident and I have no control over it. Mm. So if you have no control over the things that happen to you, then you are what? A victim. Yeah. And you're led to believe that there's nothing you can do about it and that you need some kind of external input or external solution in order to fix the problem as distinct from having the power to fix it yourself if indeed you need fixing exactly yes exactly so and going back to what it is that we were talking about before the idea of the reality that is being experienced by you in a hypnotic trance in a deep hypnotic trance and you can actually see that we've talked about we've talked about stage hypnosis shows before Mm. and how they manifest and a lot of people are laughing that stuff off because they think it's not real but it is as real as these people are experiencing them yeah so these events i mean there are optical illusions or auditory illusions where you can completely find yourself in a situation where you like forget your name or or you know forget about who you are, lose uh, entirely the sense of personality that you've had before just a few minutes prior. And it can all happen within a matter of minutes. So if that is not bewildering to you as a person who thinks that, oh, you know, let's get real now, whatever that means, I don't know what is. Because this thing is, is to me, as I've been experiencing it with people, mm. I mean, I was like w- witnessing the trances and the suggestions that I was creating on the fly. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe those effects. It's, this, this is how surreal this looks, mm. you know. And uh, like, I had this person create. I made a salad for them. Right? It was like. <laughs> It was like a basic Greek salad, a little enhanced by some, by some green leaves. And um, before I served that to her, I said, look, and of course she's still in a deep trance and all this. I said to her, look, I need you to understand something. The salad I'm creating right now, I've made just for you. You might experience something that you've never experienced before, eating a salad, because these vegetables don't come from this planet. I have a secret source that I cannot disclose that uh, I can I get from time to time. I get this uh, very, very exotic, of course, vegetables with which I make these salads that I call magic salads because they have certain effects. They can change things for you, right? So, and I was suggesting, of course, you know, I just want to be clear once you start eating this it's gonna it's gonna have a massively orgasmic feeling when it comes to 
the visceral reaction that you'll have to, you know, the sense of smell and sense of taste and all this. So it might be overwhelming. And, um, I mean, I kid you not, the, the, that girl was eating the salad and I have never seen anyone so taken by eating anything before. Right. I mean, she was losing her mind with every bite of that stuff, you know? And I don't know how to feel about this when I go back to the everyday reality. Because this is the idea here. This is the basic understanding. This is what we're chasing here, going down that rabbit hole as we do every week. We are chasing the nature of who we are and the fact that we are not definitely, most definitely, we are not who we have been made to believe that we are. We are another kind of species uh, entirely. That's that's not my opinion. This is my experience. Right. So what do we do with, with this in terms of dealing with reality? If we accept the fact that it is transient, it's personal, where everyone is seeing it through the lens of their own stuff, their own programming. If we, if we take away the idea that it is solid and we accept the fact that it is, as I said, transient and never changing, what do we do with that? What do we, how do we use that in order to navigate things as we go forward? Well, we start, of course, understanding that the imagination here is the key because this is really what's being triggered through any any of this kind of mind work imagination and once again imagination is not what we've been led to believe which is making something up like i mean in, in essence you are making something up but making something up in the way that that phrase is being used in the western world which is to fake it to to pretend yeah it's frivolous it's frivolous it's not serious it's mm -hmm. it's it's something that kids do not not what adults do that's right so if we start seeing how amazingly true that statement is that imagination creates reality then all we do on a regular basis on a daily basis is start the day with imagining who we become next imagining what happens next as if you are really writing your movie your script on the fly because that's exactly what you're doing we we don't know that but how many times when you, people say oh i've had a breakthrough right what does that mean when you have a breakthrough for whatever reason you now are starting to see things from a perspective that is entirely different from the perspective you've had before. Yeah. So something has shifted off its axis. And by virtue of that happening, your reality now is different than it was before. Mm. That in turn leads to a change in your thinking and a change in your behavior. Absolutely. Absolutely. So this is, this is exactly how the... It's a domino effect. Like, and this is how you start. You start with the fact that, you know, like all of a sudden, you know, you live in an, you live in an abusive relationship, right? But all these years, it's something that you thought that you have to live with. Right? And then there comes, you know, one fine morning that you wake up and a strange sun has covered everything. And you 
get an inspiration. You get something like tapping you on the shoulder and telling you, hey, you know what? Today, you don't have to take that shit anymore. Today, you can be somebody else. And that's a breakthrough. When you have that breakthrough, in that moment, you have shifted your reality. You have changed your perspective and therefore you have changed that look of that reality. Because the moment you do that, when before you would see only obstacles, now you start seeing solutions, options. So all you do now, you start exploring those options uh, one after the other. Oh, but how can I do that? See, the, the question changes from can I do that to how can I do that? Yeah. And can we, I mean, I've never heard anyone say that when they had a breakthrough, that they were a different person. It was more, I had a breakthrough, I have had this realization, now I'm going to do this. So it's very much within the sphere of the identity, the reality that they have been operating in up to now. It's just a slight shift. How can we consciously trigger shifts and changes in our reality? Or is, it, is that the process? Is it, is it more a case of you wake up in the morning and you say, this is what I'm going to create today? You, you follow, this is how I do it. I always pay attention to what I'm feeling, like predominantly okay. what's going on. Like if I have this uh, nagging anxiety about something now for a day or two or a week or a month, I'm starting to explore where that comes from. Where does this come from? What am I afraid of? What is it that's creating this anxiety? What is it that's stopping me from freeing myself from this anxiety? These are or should be simple questions because you know that. I mean, unless, you know, your anxiety is, is not defined by what's happening in front of you and it's based on other kind of past traumas and things like that, which of course happens as well. Sure. But if we're not dealing with that kind of, um, with that kind of disorder, if you will, and we're dealing with the, the need to change something in our lives, all we have to do is identify what it is that we need to change and then start thinking it in a different fashion. Like from, for example, you say, oh, you know, I'm afraid that I'm going to lose my job to what other opportunities are there are out there? What, what, is, what other opportunities can I explore? Have I been short-sighted? Do I have a blind spot about who I've been? And have I been living in fear? Because living in fear is always constricting. It's never expanding. Sure. So it's not a creative way to live your life, right? Yeah. So it's, it's coming at it from the perspective of questioning rather than allow yourself to be uh, imprisoned, I suppose, by a thought pattern where you're the victim, something has happened. Let's take the current situation, this virus thing. Obviously, lots of people are impacted by that and they don't know what they're going to face when they're eventually allowed to go back to work or back to their businesses. Clearly, there's going to be a lot of people who are in a negative mode and they're looking for, say, government help. And if we don't get this government help, we're all going to be screwed and my business is never going to be what it was before. Instead of that, 
you're looking to try and move yourself into a different place, which is asking the question, which is stuff like, what does this crisis present by way of an opportunity? How could I see this differently? How could this be a positive for me? I mean, they're kind of coaching questions that when I'm with clients that I typically use to try and snap them out of a negative loop that they might be in about a situation. Is that the kind of thing that you're talking about, about trying to get ourselves to a place where we're at least asking questions and challenging what we think the reality is? Yes, absolutely. Because at the end of the day, look, this is what I do and I've done for many years. When I'm cornered by a situation, I am examining what the threat is because in what I have found out in the majority of the situations, the threat is perceived, you know, because there's always the kind of threat that the mind, the subconscious mind will perceive. Uh, we say it can be real or imagined. Sure. So, and again, it's funny to say real or imagined. I was just thinking you know. that. <laughs> there was a time I would have accepted that, but now I know. It was like, well, what's real? They're both imagined. That's right. And, and because they're both imagined, they're both real. Sure. And that's why when we perceive a threat, it's as if the threat is actually physically there. Yeah. So the first thing I do is reassess what the threat is. And I always go all the way down that rabbit hole by saying, what's the worst thing that can happen here? What is the worst thing that can happen? And that kind of question is, oh, has always given me great insights. Mm. And on this particular situation that we face now, one of the insights that has been uh, major for me, a major breakthrough, has been the question, what if I died because of this thing. What if I was going to die? What if I got this thing? Nobody knows, you know, who's going to get it, who's, uh, if someone gets it, who survives it. I mean, we don't, we don't know. We don't very little about, really about what's going on. And so, I mean, it could be that thing or it could be anything, but that thing brings it into perspective because you see, we live our lives as Carlos Castaneda said so eloquently, as if we will never die. See, we live our lives as if death is something that's going to happen to somebody else. Sure. <laughs> so we, we, we live our lives as if uh, that, that moment's never going to happen. And because death is somewhere in the future always, and as we know, according to the child, the subconscious mind, the future doesn't exist. So... Death doesn't exist either. So death, which ordinarily, as Castaneda said, is and should be your most trusting advisor, mm. is not because we don't think we will ever need that dude. It's not, it's not anywhere near. It's somewhere like far, far away and always happening to somebody else. And now a break for some shameless self-promotion. We hope you love this Your Mind is Trying to Kill You podcast. And we'd really appreciate if you would subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. It would be so much better if you would leave a little review as well, just to tell people how much you love it. And then on top of that, I know this is asking a lot, you could take a snapshot and upload it to Instagram. And don't forget to tag us. 
Thank you so much for helping. And now back to the riveting conversation. And of course, we reassess that statement when we get to the point where it actually becomes very real that our mortality is touching upon us. Mm-hmm. Like you can see, you know, if you're like really old and frail or sick or whatever, this is where, right? Isn't that where most people get their massive insights? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like uh, someone like Steve Jobs. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? And you are, I mean, it's Steve Jobs. Oh my God. <laughs> Quite literally, right? Steve Jobs, the God. And the, what has the God said on his deathbed? Shit. Maybe I fucked this one up mm. because what is, and I mean, you know, I don't know to whatever extent he could have done something different. But the point here is that had he approached his life as if death was imminent on any day, he wouldn't have to come to this conclusion because he would be having this awareness, he would be having this kind of uh, perspective a lot more often on his daily endeavors. Yeah. And he would get the reminders. See, because if someone tells you that, uh, let's say, create like a little thriller story here where I actually wrote this story a while ago and the the gist of it was that uh, there was a person who was in a very deep depression and i think that there's been stories out there like made like uh three movies i think there's at least a couple movies that are similar where someone is in deep depression very suicidal right and uh find out a way out of this without them having to do it like they hire some kind of an assassin and whatever and and they give that person the assignment of assassinating them when they least expect it. They don't know when it's going to happen. Right. And, but they know that once you have set that up, you can't take it back because there's no way to contact that person anymore. Mm. And, and so when that happens, as if by clockwork, you start seeing that these people magically are starting to pay attention to different facets of life, knowing that they only have a very, very limited number of days left, Mm. which means what has changed? Their perception changed, Mm. and therefore their life changed. And this, you know, this person finds themselves, you know, falls in love, you know, within, you know what I mean, within like a week of, of this kind of understanding, because now their life is a real, true adventure, is a hero's journey. And they become that person which they need to expand on. They need to make that person grow now because they didn't even know that that person existed. But the element of the the mortal shift creates that situation in, in us where we are now different people. So... My thing has been like... So, say, so it creates an urgency to cram in as much as possible into the remainder of your life. That's right. 
it's a little bit like I've I've heard it talked about uh, reading some of the stuff from the Stoics and Marcus Aurelius, and they they had this um, practice of keeping a memento mori or a mementus mori. Yeah, memento mori. Yeah, yes. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, to remind them every day that they're going to die and therefore to live from that place. Exactly. Mm. Exactly, which is a brilliant approach, a very magical way to live your life. And and again, there are people out there that are like, oh my God, that's morbid, that's horrible. <laughs> but it really isn't. It's the, the opposite of morbid. It's morbid to live your life as if you were dead already. Yeah. Dead inside. So many of us have been in situations where we've been dead inside, inside a, a job, inside a relationship, inside a dead end path. Mm. And we didn't even know, we didn't think there is anything exciting for us out there because exciting things, you know, don't happen to everyday people. <laughs> you have to be like this kind of extraordinary person. And of course, the extraordinary person is never you. It's always somebody else. Mm. Deep conditioning stuff. So, the, so the, the, the question, the freeing question really is, what would I do if I knew I only had 48 hours to live? And to constantly keep asking that question. Yes. I mean, but that, that's, a little, that's a little too extreme for most people. You know, but you, you could say, I would say, I would say, what would I do if I knew I had six months to live? Okay. And, and once again, because we want to escape the trap of being like, well, if I had six months to live, I'd be like partying. <laughs> I'll be partying left and right. Because that's, uh, that's also something that uh, a lot of people would approach this. Uh, that's the perspective that a lot of people would approach this from. So, but, mo- but most people, I think, would, and certainly the thing that comes to my mind would be that I would start to think in terms of legacy as much as cramming in as much like on my bucket list as I possibly could. But, but legacy would be something that would be very important. And I haven't, it's not actually something that I have really thought about. And I'm 57, you know, I'm obviously over the hump. <laughs> and, uh, so, so I haven't thought about it. And I could see myself in 20, 30 years time not having really thought about it. Whereas I think if I was presented with the idea of having six months to live, I would want to leave something. I'd want to mark, you know, my life with something so that those behind me, my kids, whatever, would would have something, whether it be to remember me by or otherwise. Not a statue, but something that was something that I had created and something that I had done that was remarkable. Whereas... I, as I said, I could see myself trundling along up until to old age. And at that point, it's probably, nah, <laughs> I'm too old. I'm not going to do anything anyway, even if it, if it dawned on me. Whereas I think I would be much more proactive if I was asking that question on a consistent basis, much more proactive about doing something remarkable. Yeah, absolutely. And it is like that because, you know, you're thinking in terms of inspiring people. You're thinking in terms of being an entity that matters. Yeah. And this is the problem that most people are facing, that they don't believe in their heart of hearts. They don't believe they matter. They believe they're insignificant Mm. because they've been taught that all their lives. And what do you think is it that, that shifts, even if someone has that belief, 
that if suddenly they're told that they have six months to live, what do you think shifts that might drive them on to want to do something that matters? Well, remember how we talked about the general behavior of the subconscious mind being non-engaging in change unless it feels that it absolutely has to? Yeah. It will, it will not stay because, you know, your subconscious is creating reality. This is what, and everything we're talking about right now is happening by virtue of engaging and exciting and intriguing your subconscious mind mm. through your emotional shifts, your emotional changes, because that's what a breakthrough is. A breakthrough is not just a, an intellectual idea. A breakthrough is an intellectual idea that is translated into emotions. And that's why it makes us feel so powerful. So when the subconscious mind feels that it needs to engage, you know, like the mother who lifts up the the car to save her child that is trapped underneath, you know, and this woman would have never in a million years think that there is any way, any possibility that she has that kind of strength. So that strength comes out of somewhere else. That somewhere else is locked, the, the strength in that somewhere else is locked away most of the time. Unless you engage in practicing that kind of imagining, that kind of thinking, that kind of feeling your way through life, uh, this version of yourself will be locked away until the subconscious feel feels that it's absolutely crucial that it intervenes. So when you give that kind of deadline to the subconscious mind, it understands that it cannot screw around anymore. It's time to get down to business. So, yeah, I've got about 17 questions going around in my head. So are we, we saying that without this challenge, without this this ultimatum almost that the subconscious mind just keeps playing the same loop over and over again which is comfortable because it keeps us in something that's very familiar which we have decided because of its familiarity and its constancy is solid and that that's what we typically call reality that yeah that what we need to really live is is challenge, is ultimatum, is a recognition of the fact that we don't have long, regardless of what that length of time is, but that the only way to really live is to live from a place that every day, every hour is our last or could be our last. And therefore, we have to pack it. We have to get as much done, achieve as much as we can, create as much as we can, because we never know when it's going to end. And if we want to have had a life of significance, then it's that is the way to do it. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's there's no other way. I mean, why, do you, why do you think that most people do their best work under strict deadlines? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the exact same concept. You know, you give someone a deadline, you're like, well, you know, if you don't come up with the right idea to treat that obstacle, that problem, you are going to get fired come Monday. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it, I guarantee you, 
all your juices are going to be flowing like crazy. I know. I mean, I'm, I'm a master at it. So are we saying that that reality is a construct which is actually a little bit like living inside your comfort zone? Reality is our comfort zone. Yes, our everyday reality, the way we perceive it, yes, it is our comfort zone. And it is not the reality that we could be living, obviously, but it's a reality that we choose when we live by default. Yes, yeah. And that what it needs is, in order to practice living that life of significance, it requires us ourselves to ask the question, what would you do if you knew you only had X time to live, six months, whatever, whatever, whatever the time frame to get you kicked into action, basically, is what, what you require. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, even if you, even if you don't look at it as, uh, or I'm going to die after this time period, you could look at it a little differently. Like, for example, let's say someone comes to you and says to you, Vincent, my friend, you have six months to showcase your best and most brilliant, most insightful, most creative self out there. And if you do that, you will become a legend globally. But if you don't do that, you have missed your one opportunity and this will never come to you ever again. Mm -hmm. And you knew that that was the truth. Yeah. I mean, the truth, truth. You know, like yeah, sure, truth. sure. It, 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 you were guaranteed that it was going to happen, yeah, one way or the other, yeah. Yeah, of course, you would, you would typically jump into it. Exactly. Mark Manson talks about this, you know, mm -hmm. in, in his, um, what's the book, the one uh, with the, the title? The, the Subtle, the subtle Art of the... Not Giving a Book, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he talks about it. He talks about the fact that we are beings that need to be challenged in order to live, that we, we solve problems and that is what makes us happy and that we, we need to keep overcoming problems. And our choice is either to, to sit back, do nothing and allow the problems hit us because the problems are going to come up anyway. So you can either decide to move forward in a life of exploration and excitement and encounter problems like, oh, I missed my flight to, you know, Costa Rica for that three month stay there. Or, you know, I ran out of money living in my, um, my bedsit, my one room bedsit. You know, he said problems will all, will always arise. It's just, what kind of problems do you want to encounter? Do you want to want the ones that expand your life or do you want the ones that contract your life? Right, exactly. And uh, look at that time. I know, I know. I always think that we're going to get to, to, to uh, elaborate on a topic and it's never going to be like over 35, 40 minutes. And look at what you do to me. I know, I know. I'm, 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 it's just the, it's just the reality. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see, that's your reality, and you're leaking that reality into my reality. Yeah. And I'm allowing you to do that, and that's what gets us yeah. into this uh, yeah. predicament. Yeah. Sorry about that, brother. Screwing you up. <laughs> I'm bringing you down to my level. <laughs> oh, no, shit. 
Well, my friend, it's been another riveting one. I'm actually very excited about this one. I'm excited about everyone, but every every one of them. But uh, this one is very close to my heart because that's how I live my life. Yeah, that's brought a lot of story. When when I asked the question originally, I had no idea it was going to go <laughs> that direction. Exactly, exactly. As as we never do, because the beautiful thing about this podcast is it's not scripted. No, it's free flowing consciousness. So until next week, let's be careful out there and don't let your mind kill you. Thanks for listening to Your Mind is Trying to Kill You with Alexandros Megas and Vincent Byrne. If you like our show and want to make sure that you don't miss an episode, then we would love if you would subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on whatever platform you're listening to us on. And you'd be doing us a big favor if you would support us by leaving a review as well. It would also be great if you would take a screenshot of this episode on your smartphone and share it on social media. So join us next Wednesday when we talk more about mind hacking and taking back control of your life. Until then, have a great week.